Hi, I'm Marika and welcome to Money Chill Out. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often unspoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading flows in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest and frank conversation. By opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindset, investment habits and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. This is my first ever episode. I hope you enjoy, spread the word and get in touch with me. So my guest today is Anne-Claire. She's French, lives in Geneva and has always been on the move, having lived in Montreal, London, Melbourne and Sydney before settling in Europe. She's hardworking and has over the past decade climbed the so-called corporate ladder to become financial director for a university. She loves planning, forecasting and doing excels for everything, but she doesn't forget too often. I've known her for 26 years and what impresses me most is her ability to manage her time. She always finds some, whether it's for a family of four, planning a trip or even being on this podcast. So hi, Anne-Claire. Hi, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, you? Good, thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. I'm really glad. So you'll be like me, I guess, today, first podcast ever. It is, it is. I'm a bit stressed, but it'll be fine, it'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. So, like, why did you accept to be on this podcast and especially to speak about money? Well, first of all, because you ask me and I love you very much. And then second of all, I think it's actually a good topic, especially for women. I think our generation is better. But in the past, I think a lot of women were stuck with their partner because um, she didn't have any money. So I think it's a good topic to empower women. And uh, yeah, we should all be independent and know what we're doing. And uh, a little bit of a preparation of finance wise can go a long way in life. So I think it's a very good topic. That's good. We're on the same line. <laughs> Good. Yeah. So do you think like, even though, as you said, like women before were not really into finances and so on and so forth, do you think it's still a bit taboo at the moment or like you're 100% yourself like at ease talking about it? I think it, it really depends on probably culture, generation and who you hang out with. I've got some friends where I openly discuss about money and I've got some friends where we, we've never discussed the topic. So I think it depends a lot, I think, based on people. Yeah. And do you find like a difference between friends and family? So friends, you said it depends. And what about family? Family. So, for example, if I compare my family and my husband's family, there's a very different approach to money. So, again, I think it depends so much based on the environment that you were born in and raised in. So, yeah, so my husband and I are both French. So you you would assume maybe we would have the same approach to money, but we really don't. (laughs) In mine, it was not a taboo or anything. It's just a topic that never really came up a lot. But in my husband's family, they talk about it more. I think that maybe a bit more prepared. But it doesn't mean yeah, it wasn't taboo in my family. I don't know why we never discussed it, but it was yeah, never brought up a lot. 
Yes, it's quite interesting to see, like, even though, as you said, yeah, you're the same nationality, like, there's so many differences between one family to another. So, yeah. Because you've lived in, like, so many parts of the world, like, have you noticed massive differences in how people in different countries, like, discuss? So you've lived in North America, but as well Europe, Australia. Do you, do you see or do you feel these massive differences? Or, or again, do you think it depends on people? I'm not too sure. I'm trying to think back about like yeah, my experiences in different countries. I think yeah, definitely like some people, for example, salary in some com- also I think it depends on like company cultures. In some company cultures, you're not allowed, you're like literally forbidden to discuss your salary. But then for some other people, it's very open and everybody know. I started my career in a graduate program. So everybody had the same salary. And then every year, if you didn't miss up, you got a promotion and you knew how much you're going to get paid, etc. So that I think removed a bit of the taboo because literally everybody was on the same level. But then I think overall, like you might have some Australian talking about money and some Australian not talking about money. So I think it really depends on people more so than culture. So if you take yourself, for example, if you have whatever questions finance related, who would be your go-to person? My husband. We have a very uh, open uh, finance (laughs) situation. Like we share everything and we know. Yeah. So my husband. And do do you think because, I don't know, it just like the easiest uh, relationship and so on and so forth? Or or is it your go-to person because you have the impression he knows more than you? it's quite balanced but it's just like no it's quite it's really balanced so we discuss like we do a lot of uh, pros and cons for everything in life and so we have yeah quite a good communication about that if i have something where i want to have the experience of someone who has more experience i talk to my dad and my husband talks to his dad actually so you know against the woman i don't talk to my mom about money i talk to my dad mostly but yeah or some friends who are in the same situation as us so we're in the process of looking for a house at the moment and so we talk to our friends who are in the same boat as us at the moment so it really depends on the topic really but i guess yeah as you said like every experience is good so you adapt exactly exactly Cool. So in the um, more like the tracking of your finances, so you like a financial director, as I said, so I guess all day long, or at least it's have you your job, like you planning, forecasting and doing it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I even know that on a personal side you even do it because you're super organized so every time we go for holiday or I don't know there's something happening you're gonna get like your to-do list and these kind of things so do you do the same for your finances yes (laughs) (laughs) of course I do I'm a chartered accountant like I love uh, when things balance no to be honest I never really did it a lot and then as part of my job uh, when I was in Australia my company they wanted us to use an accounting like finance software and so they gave us all like a license to try it at home so that we were then you know good to use it with our clients and so it's how it started and it was actually amazing and it was plugged into our bank account and so literally everything going in and out of my bank account was tracked down and I could code it I could say okay if, if I have a you know an entry of money uh, where it says salary in the description you book that to salary income if uh, you have my rent going out and you know it's the same uh, name of the landlord or whatever it would recognize it and track it to rent everything if i if i go to starbucks or whatever like it would literally track everything and then it would give me a 
my PNL at the end, so my profit and loss report. And we had we had a PNL for every month. And so we knew exactly. So we did that with both my husband and, and my bank account. Well, it, it's joint thing. And so we knew like literally <laughs> every single cent <laughs> coming in or coming out. It was coded and we had our balance sheet and we had our PNL. So yeah, I'm very much, uh, you know, an accountant at heart. So that was amazing. Well, I actually, we never realized it. And then we realized through doing that, we realized, oh my God, we spend so much money on coffee or like, oh my God, we spend so much on X and Y. And like, that was really eye-opening. Like really, some of the lines, you would not have thought you would spend like that much money on per month. So literally coffee, I gave Starbucks. It's a really bad example because when we did that, we were in Australia. Australia, they don't like Starbucks. They have a lot of independent coffee places and stuff. And I would get, and I'm one of those people that get like a soy vanilla latte. So it's not the same price as a, you know, long black or whatever. And like, I would get probably one or two a day. And at the end of the month, I never added up like how much I spent on coffee. But then through that app, I was shocked. <laughs> so I started drinking more like my own coffee or the coffee at the office that was free instead of uh, instead of uh, going to a nice coffee shop every day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so interesting because as you said, like when you don't know, you just spend, spend, spend. And at the end of the month, you're like, wow. And it's little things. Exactly. So you and you never, I never added up. It was like four or five dollars. I don't know, like not a lot. So you, it's five dollars there, five dollars there. And then you don't see it. It's too small. But then when you add everything up for months, you're like, oh, my God, I could go to Melbourne for that price on the weekend. Like it's it was ridiculous. So so having this information, which is like super useful, as you said, and especially like at the moment, there's lots of banking apps, the same, but at the time, yeah. pretty like early on. Like, have you changed your like spending habits or like your investment habits just because you've seen actually? Yes, we so I reduced coffee. I reduced as well um, lunch and I tried to bring my own like uh, food at the office, like not every day, but like some days. And you could see the difference. And yeah, it, every little thing, it, it does add up. So it's <laughs> <laughs> actually to realizing it. And that's why you need to keep track of finances. And yeah, it's exactly like- Cool. And how many like accounts do you have? Like as a as, as a question, because for me, like I'm a bit like you. I've lived in different countries with different currencies. I mean, I quite like managing my money. So all the time, I want to find the best solution. Or like there's like a special deal with this entity or this institution. So I'm going to open an account. Like, is it the same for you, or do you keep it more simple? In Australia, I had so many accounts because they had like exactly what you said they had um like promotions and their promotions like if you open an account you had they gave you miles to fly <laughs> and so i did that like every year i would change my card and get the points and we went um on holiday to the fiji for free because of that so yeah. um, so it did add up so in australia i did that quite a lot now where i live now i i haven't seen any of the cool promotions like that so i don't do it uh, anymore i just signed up to the bank that my employer recommended and then that's it i still have some accounts yeah in france and switzerland we recently closed some banks because i didn't like having different bank accounts because every time i don't remember my password <laughs> there's too many things so i try to keep it simple if there's no deals that will bring me to fiji for free <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. i guess it's linked as well with like the marie kondo effect right where we both like a pretty big fan of her like she's like a famous consultant like organizing your life from japan yes. It basically helps you declutter your house or declutter your space. So I guess like finance is another 
thing that you could look at and actually instead of having like 10 different accounts which are yeah exactly first like let's close everything <laughs> yes yes yeah too complicated and I was too tired of remembering passwords <laughs> <laughs> so more on the on the planning side now so as you said like just earlier a few years ago you wanted so you were living in Australia and you wanted to go back to Europe because you wanted to be closer to friends and family But yes. of course, finding a job from that far away with the time difference and so on was not easy. So at some point, you decided that you and your husband would actually quit your job, even though you had two young kids. Yes. Can you tell us a bit more about this story? How long did it take you? And basically, yeah, how did you plan and how did you feel about it? So that was a bit, well, scary in a way, yes and no. So we knew we wanted to go back to Europe. We didn't know where exactly at the time. And exactly what you said, it's it's quite impossible to find a job remotely, especially with the time difference. It was impossible. I was talking to headhunters like at two in the morning and stuff. So it was not the best thing. We decided was to quit our jobs. And then we traveled a little bit. So that was just to end on that side of the world in a nice, <laughs> in a nice manner. <laughs> and then when we came back, so we got pretty lucky in the sense that we were fortunate enough to have like a holiday house. So we just landed there where well, it's our, it's our family's um, house, not ours. We just landed there. So at least, and it was the summer holiday. So the kids were not at school. We had no cost except like going grocery shopping. So we just stayed there for a couple of months. And when we were there, we were looking for jobs. So I found a job in Geneva, which um, is where we decided to go live. And so then we moved there when at the end of August, when I started working. So it was pretty scary. It could have taken us like a lot longer to find a job but my job is pretty common let's say so it's um I'm not a pharmacist where you need a special license to go work in different countries so my job is very um like I could do it in whatever country doesn't really matter so it was what made it uh, I think quite easy and so then yeah we moved and then for my husband Geneva is not a place where his type of job it doesn't really exist so it took him longer to to find something but we had at least one salary, which was almost enough to cover all of the very expensive uh, Geneva cost. Um, but that's a decision that we that we made. So we wanted to go live here. It reminded us of Australia, except the temperature. But yeah, we're very happy here. So we, we decided to come here and then we just, we had a plan. And then, yeah, we followed that. It was indeed quite risky because it, yeah, it took um, a while to find a, a job for my husband. But we knew that's what we wanted and we just, we decided that was what we wanted to do. Oh, that's amazing. So, so like basically the money in your like priority list, where did you value money in your choice? Well, we didn't really because we were lucky to go to uh, the our family's holiday house. We didn't have cost. So we knew we could stay there as long as it took us to find a job. And then so we only moved here once one of us had a job. So at least we were covered. We decided to like we still put our kids in, in childcare, even though my husband, who was not working at the time, could have taken care of them. But then we thought it was well, if he was taking care of the of the kids, he couldn't find a job because it obviously it's a. Uh, It's a full-time job to take care of kids. So you can't like look for a job and take care of kids at the same time. So that was a choice that we made. And we have some friends in the same situation who did not make that choice. And so they decided to save up on the childcare because childcare here is like ridiculously expensive. But then it took them a lot longer to find a job. But I think it's just because they didn't have the time, literally. So that's a cost. So having like having to pay for the childcare made us, like my salary was not enough to cover like everything. 
but that was a choice that we made and we're glad we did it. Yeah, so money is important, but as long as you're not like burning all of your savings, I think, well, for us, yeah, that's what we decided. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think it's quite healthy being in that process, like not always focusing on money, but more like what you really want. and Exactly, but the life that you want to have, yeah. Yeah. So how much did you have of a safety net? So when you decided to quit Australia, you knew you would not have like a lot of costs, but still you you still need to live. So how much did you have spare? Like, I don't know, six months worth of expenses, one year or, or a bit more? Like Because we landed in the family house, the only expense that we had was grocery. So, and obviously, well, we had, I don't know how many months of groceries, but plenty enough. So we didn't count like that. Okay, let's, let's do it six months. We just thought worse come to worse, we'll just, you know, just have the groceries expense for mm. whatever a year or two. So we didn't consider like a specific amount. No, no, no. Or even like unexpected events, because at worst, like if you didn't find a job and your husband neither, I mean, you still have a low cost of living because of that house. So exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Without that, we probably would have like done things differently, um, especially as you said, like with two young kids. It's not like when you're single and you can crash on somebody's <laughs> couch for a month and then move to another friend for another month. So it was a risk. But because we were very fortunate to have that house, it was a managed risk. Yeah. Even though it's still like pretty courageous because I'm sure like there's a lot of people who always hesitate to like take that step and yeah, because yes. you never know. Yeah. We knew we wanted to come back and so that's what yeah we decided on. Yeah, no, brilliant. And in terms of forecasting, so at the moment you said you're looking for a house. We actually like, just made an offer and it was accepted. So we're buying a house. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're not thinking if it's in France or Switzerland, you've made the decision and yes. it's in France. Yes. Yeah, correct. Cool. So what is your thought process into that, I don't know, wish to buy a house and why are you doing it now and, and all of this? So rent in Geneva is ridiculously expensive. And so it's kind of stupid to be renting in Geneva, to be honest. It's crazy. Like when we think about the money that we throw away really every month, yeah. it's crazy. So we knew like we're really happy here. We want to stay. So we knew we wanted to like we've never owned a um, main uh, residence so we've always been paying rent we were well as you said uh, before we were traveling quite a lot and we were quite happy where we were but we knew it was not for the long term but here we can see ourselves in the long term so we thought okay it's time to stop throwing money out of the window every month in rent so that was the logic behind it so it's not necessarily because you think i don't know house pricing going to increase and then you can make no they're not not in this region the prices like i don't expect uh, the prices to move so what kind of calculations or what signals or what are the things that you've looked on a more like financial aspect in order to make this project which is like on the medium term and which is like quite a significant sum of money Yes. Well, obviously you look at the amount of capital that you have for your deposit and then with your income, we could calculate the like how much we could uh, get from a, a loan in the bank. So we went before we started the whole process of looking for a house, we met with a um, solicitor. I'm not quite sure um, 
that's the correct English word, but a guy that just talks to banks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A broker for loans. And so we talked to him, we gave him our salaries and the, you know, the state of our finances, and he gave us our budget for a house. So we had that in mind when we started looking, which I think is, is a good thing to do. And then obviously there's a difference between what you can get as a loan because, you know, it works and because, you know, it's less than 33% or whatever the, the rate is out of your total income. But there's, yeah, there's a different thing between going to the maximum or, you know, going a, a bit uh, smaller so that you have more free money available at the end of the month. So we kind of decided to go in the middle. So it's not the most expensive house that we could have, but it's uh, it's really nice and I can't wait to move in. Really? But yeah, so obviously what we considered is, uh, well, based on our salary, like how much in um, mortgage every month we could spend. And also like, what if one of us gets uh, fired in this COVID environment? I think it's a good thing to consider worst case scenarios. So what if one of us gets fired? Like, how does that work in terms of the finances? What if the two of us get fired? And like, so we considered like all of the worst case scenarios. And then, yeah, we still thought it was a, a good option. And so we went for it. That's brilliant. Yeah. And it seems like super in a way because you haven't been like all in and okay, let's stretch ourselves so that we have the best house ever. And so on. I mean, it's still kind of reassuring. And as you said, like taking the worst options is always like a good thought because you always think, oh, it's ne never going to happen. Yeah, but first you don't know. And second, if that happens and because... Then you're screwed. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> because it's yeah. the medium term. It's not as if you can sell your house like the, the next day. So, yeah, it's it's a great planning, I would say. Yeah, I think, yeah. We always consider worst case scenario. And hopefully, you know, it doesn't come to that. But especially in this world, COVID world, like you never know. You really never know. And because like, I'm sure like we're in our 30s, but I'm sure like a lot of our, the people listening as well in this kind of like um, age range, do you have any advice like for them if they're in the same situation, thinking for a house or looking for one, either something that you have truly followed or something that you regret not having done, like any tips? What my parents have always told me is that the sooner you can buy, you do it because yeah, putting money in rent is kind of uh well you spend a lot of money and it's it doesn't go anywhere so at least um, i'm going to be still spending something every month but it's going to go in my mortgage so it's it's very different thing so in a way i kind of wish we bought earlier but in a, in another way i've been away all of my life and so i haven't had the opportunity really to to buy a, to to buy our, our main residency anyway so mm -hmm. i'm i'm glad that we're doing it now Yeah, and maybe now, compared to a few years earlier, you could now buy like something a bit bigger. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Okay, cool, brilliant. So I've left two questions, which are a bit more fun for the end. <laughs> so the first one would be, because you're pretty down to earth and like rational, have you done anything crazy with your money? No, <laughs> <laughs> I do. No, so not big. So I do, what my husband would say I do is I buy a lot of little things. So They're not like a big sum of money, but then they do add up. So last week I just bought like a little thing to make smoothies. And he's like, why did you buy this? We already have like, um, we have one of those like kitchen robots where you can make a smoothie. <laughs> and, but then I don't because it's too big and I have to clean the whole thing. And so it annoys me. So I just wanted something to make smoothies and I bought it. And he was like, but why did you do that? So I tend to buy maybe like little things 
that I don't need and I should do Marie more. <laughs> I've reduced the amount of uh, stuff that I buy, that's for sure. But this like that smoothie thing, I can't wait to use it again. So, so I'm quite glad with my purchase. <laughs> exactly. More of a sudden impulse. I need this smoothie thing. <laughs> And um, in terms of risk, like, I don't know how you invest or like, have you taken any stupid risk? Like, okay, you've seen something, I don't know, I'm thinking about Bitcoin or or something like, I don't know. No, I'm very risk averse. You're really risk averse. Yes. And I think that's all because of my dad. My dad was uh, working in risk in like, his job was to manage risk. So I've always been, <laughs> I think, raised with like, risk so I always consider risk and so no in terms of my money I'm pretty risk averse I really don't have any any sort of investments really that are risky I have zero risky investments I, I don't like it <laughs> <laughs> no I like things that I I know I can I can track and I know there's like a, whatever like 0.5 percent or something I would rather yeah I'm, I'm pretty risk averse yeah I mean fair yeah enough. yeah <laughs> so yeah no, no stupid risk for you like yeah no in terms of investment no yeah cool. no i think we're arriving at the end of this um podcast huh? thank you so nah. much for time, my dear thank you very much for having me i'm very glad to be your first guest yeah that was good no thanks really for sharing your way of thing and doing things and even like sharing your experience yeah it's really interesting and insightful so thank you so much <laughs> thank you talk to you later bye So that's the end of the first episode. I hope you are as excited as I am. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe and spread the word. And if ever you want to go further in mastering this beautiful adventure of owning your finances, please contact me on Instagram at moneychillout or on my website at maricafino.com. I offer workshops and coaching to guide you through.